Good morning, family. Can I call you family this morning? Yeah. We all we all serve the same master. So um, I feel I feel at home uh, this morning. Y'all have such a welcoming spirit here. It's just it's truly a privilege and an honor to be uh, with you all this morning, worshiping the God who saved us, right? The God who created us, the God who who sustains us. So I, I definitely count it as a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, I'd like to thank Pastor Kyle in his absence for opening up his pulpit, allowing me to come and proclaim God's word to you all. So Lindsay, please thank Kyle for, the, for this opportunity uh, to be here with you all. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 26. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 26. I know you guys have been walking through this gospel uh, with Pastor Kyle. So you should be able, you probably should be able to preach this sermon better than, uh, than I will. But I'll, I'll try my best. When you have it, just say amen. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 through 26. It reads this way. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let us pray. Gracious God, Father, Lord, thank you for this time of the service. Lord, where we can come, Lord, as a church, Lord, and come to hear a word from you. We know that you speak through your word. Lord, so there is nothing of greater importance than to hear the words of eternal life. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. Lord, prepare us to receive your word. May your Holy Spirit be with us today. May it enlighten us. Lord, may it comfort us. It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. We live in a broken and fallen world where we experience many sorrows. Uh, one of the most painful experiences that we will ever face is death. Losing a loved one, someone that is very close to us, that is a very painful thing. 
Um, sometimes I struggle with just the mere thought of one day I'm going to lose my spouse, my lovely wife right here. Um, you know, to the men in the room, those of us who are married, you probably resonate with me. Um, my wife, she, she, she does a lot in our home. Um, I probably would be like totally lost without her. She, uh, she, she helps the children with, with their homework. She, she cooks, she cleans, well no, I clean. But um, she, she does laundry. She, I mean, she's like my personal assistant. If it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't go to the dentist. Probably wouldn't go to the doctors. You know, men, we don't really like doing those things. So she keeps, keeps me in check. She keeps all the appointments uh, on the calendar. So um, she even, she's my stylist from time to time. She picks out my clothes. She was asleep this morning, so I picked out my own this morning. Um, thank you. Thank you, Scott. But uh, yeah, like I said, um, I would be lost if something were to happen to her. You know, when you're dependent on someone and then one day they're no longer there, you know, it, it might lead you to feel anxious, uh, confused, bewildered, maybe even helpless. And to be honest this morning, church, we are totally helpless without Christ. The disciples, they struggle with these feelings. Looking at in John chapter 14, if we look at the, the landscape of the first 14 verses, 1 through 14, Jesus and the disciples, they were gathered in the upper room. And Jesus, at this time, he's, he's telling them about his departure out of the world. This was the time where he was, he was telling them that he's going back to his father. For the first time since the start of Jesus' ministry, the disciples, they would no longer have the physical presence of Jesus there. They had the privilege all those years of Jesus' ministry, seeing the Christ, seeing him with their own eyes, they were able to hear his words. They were able to sit under his teaching. They were able to touch him, to behold him. The Old Testament prophets, they didn't have that privilege. All they, they, they merely prophesied about the one that was to come. But the disciples, they had the privilege of seeing the one who was the fulfillment of their prophecies. So their eyes were blessed because they were able to see the Christ. But now, but now has come the time where Christ, he, is, he was given the work to do by his father, and it was his time to accomplish that work. We know that Christ, he, he, he made his journey to the cross, right, and he went to the cross to die for our sins. He was our sacrificial lamb, right? He was our Passover lamb. He made atonement for our sins, we know that after his death, according to the scriptures, Jesus would be raised three days later. And at the beginning of the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, Luke records that Jesus instructed would spend 40 days between his resurrection and ascension into heaven, teaching and instructing the disciples about the kingdom of God. Christ did this to prepare them to be his witnesses. But this reality of Jesus leaving them, it caused the disciples great distress much in the same way it would cause any of us uh, distress if we got news that, hey, our loved one is going to be gone, that they're not going to be no longer there. But knowing all things, being the compassionate God that he is, Jesus sought to comfort his disciples. 
I want to speak to us this morning from the theme, the comfort of Christ. Looking at verse 1 of chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus, he's basically saying, look, I got this. Chill out. Don't be stressed. As a, as a side note, I'm always encouraged anytime I have a chance to read the Gospels and look at the lives of the disciples. I'm so encouraged because, like, they dropped the ball a lot. They always made mistakes. I feel like their lives parallel, it parallels mine, like, it mirrors mine in so many ways. So anytime, you, you know, you get a chance and you want some encouragement, just, just look at the lives of the disciples. They were slow to understand things. Their faith was often weak when they encountered difficult situations. But Jesus, he had to comfort them. When if you think about it, they should have been the ones comforting him. Right? He was on his way to die a, a painful death, but he still found time to comfort them. But just how does Jesus seek to comfort his disciples? Looking at verse 16, of our text this morning. It says this. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. After Jesus was to complete his work on the cross, he would ascend into heaven, going back to the Father. In doing so, he promised to send another helper to be with his disciples. Now, some Bible translations use the word comforter instead of helper. The Greek word that is translated as helper or comforter, is parakletos. Can everybody say that with me? Parakletos, which literally means standing alongside another. The late Aussie Sproul, he says this about the, about the word parakletos. He says, technically, the parakletos was the family attorney who was on a permanent retainer. Anytime a problem arose in the family, the parakletos was on call, and he would come immediately to assist in the struggle. This world we live in, it's hostile. We can experience many trials, many pains, sufferings, afflictions. And as mere humans, we need help. We need comfort. We need a paracletos to help us to deal with all that life throws at us. As mere humans, right, we, just, we just don't have it in us. We, we don't have the strength to deal with everything that we encounter in this life. My question to us this morning is where do you find your comfort in life? Where do you find your comfort in life? Two things I want to impress upon our minds this morning. I'll be really quick. The first being Jesus gives comfort. The second, Jesus comforts those who love him. To be followers of Christ in this hostile world, we should expect to be hated by the world. A servant is not greater than his master. So whatever Christ faced, the things that he went through, all the rejection, we should expect the same things. Like, let's not be naive. We follow, we believe in a, a rejected Messiah. Right? The world has no love for Christ. So let's not be naive. After Jesus would ascend into heaven, the lives of his disciples would be filled with pressure, persecution, and hostility from the world. Now, who among us this morning would want to enter into that kind of scenario without help, without a comforter, without a paracletos? 
the disciples, they were given the great task of taking the good news about Jesus to the nations and making disciples. Today, brothers and sisters, we're given that same task. Looking again at verse 16, Jesus promises to leave his disciples with another helper, which brings us to our first point. Jesus comforts us by giving us the Holy Spirit. All right, today happens to be Pentecost Sunday. We know on the day of Pentecost, we celebrate this day because in Acts chapter 2, this commemorates the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So that's why we, we celebrate this day. The Holy Spirit promised to us by Christ. It proceeds from the Father and the Son. He's the third person of the Trinity. We know that God right, is the Trinity, the Godhead, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, right, God the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, all being one God. Although the disciples, they would no longer have the physical presence of Jesus, they would be given the Holy Spirit, who is of the same essence as the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Spirit of Truth. Look at verse 17 of our passage. And he's called the Spirit of Truth because as one of my favorite preachers, John MacArthur, he says this, he says he's the Spirit of Truth because he's the source of truth and communicates the truth to his own. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 14, he says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, let me, let me turn there. He says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Family, apart from the work of the Spirit, we will be left darkened in our understanding about who God is, about who Christ is. The reason why we rejoice at the truths we find in Scripture, the reason why we rejoice at the doctrines that are there is because of the work of the Spirit within us, opening up our eyes, our minds, our hearts to receive it. But the world, the things that we believe as Christians, the world looks at it as folly. And to be honest, before we were saved, we looked at it the same way. So the only thing that separates us from them is the work of the Spirit. Right? We have no grounds to boast, but it is the work of the Spirit within us. Jesus, he didn't leave his disciples to be on mission and live the Christian life without him. If you are a Christian here today, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you at this very moment. Think about that. Look at the end of verse 17. Jesus says this, You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Paul, the Apostle Paul, again, he says the same thing when addressing the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Right? Our body is a temple that is housing the Holy Spirit at this very moment. Looking at verses 25 and 26 of our text, Jesus says this, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, 
he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The disciples, they had the privilege of being taught by Jesus. But no longer would they be able to sit under his teaching, right, because he was leaving them. But the Holy Spirit would bring into remembrance all that Jesus had taught them. Now, the disciples, they would need to remember what Jesus taught them if they were going to take the gospel message to the nations. If you think about it, the reason why we have a New Testament is because the Holy Spirit brought into remembrance all that Christ had taught the apostles, and they recorded it down for us. That's why we have a New Testament. That's why we have a Bible. The Holy Spirit given to us by Christ guides us into all truth. In the epistle of 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, it says this, But the anointing, referring to the Holy Spirit, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and it's true, is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Well, not only does the Spirit teach us, but it strengthens us. It empowers us to overcome the world. Again, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Family, it's no way we could ever have victory over sin in this world without the spirit being at work within us. So you see the work of the spirit, it supplements the work of Christ. Jesus came to strengthen us by his sacrificial death for sin. Right, Romans 5 and 6 says this, but while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Right, while we were weak, while we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. So his sacrificial death released us from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. And the Holy Spirit comes along and it empowers us to live the life that Christ has called us to live. Again, I ask you, where do you find your comfort in life? You know, the irreligious folk of the world, unbelievers, they find that comfort. They turn, they turn to the things of this world for comfort. Their money, their possessions. Some turn to drugs. Some turn to sex. And none of these things provide true comfort in this world. They just leave us feeling empty. They leave us, so, they, they leave us feeling dissatisfied. Right? We, as the people of Christ, should always turn to him for comfort. We know what true comfort is. Look at verses 19 and 20 of our text. Jesus says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In these verses, Christ, he's referring to his resurrection. And then in one sense, he's referring to the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit will come to them. And it is because of his death. I mean, it is because of his resurrection and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we have eternal life. And that's true comfort. 
Again, as the people of Christ, we should always look to him for comfort. Jesus, he goes on to mention something very eye-opening about this Holy Spirit. Look at the first part of verse 17. It says this, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. This helper, this comforter that Jesus promised to give, that he promised to give us is not given to the world, which is our second point. Jesus comforts those who love him. To love Christ is to obey him. Our obedience should flow out of a heart that loves Christ. We should never expect any blessing or comfort from Christ if we walk in disobedience. It's been that way since the beginning. The covenant that God made with the nation of Israel, they were expected, they were commanded to to be faithful to that covenant, to, to walk in God's statutes, his rules, his laws, to be obedient. The people of Israel cannot expect any blessings from God if they were disobedient to God's word. It's the same today. Look at verses 15 and 16 of our text. He says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Those verses are together. In verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he starts verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Christ expects us to be obedient to his commandments. It is our obedience to his commandments that we show that we love him. In verse 21 and 23, Christ, he he goes on to say the same thing. He says this in 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. In 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Commentator Matthew Henry, he helps us to understand the point of these verses. He says this, Christ will not be an advocate for any, but those that will be ruled and advised by him as their counsel. Follow the conduct of the spirit and you shall have the comfort of the spirit. That's why the Apostle Paul, he tells us in Romans 8 and 9, he says this, you are, however, you are, however, not of the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit, of, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Those of us who love Christ can be sure that we belong to him because of the spirit that he has made to take residence in us. And get this, not just the spirit, but according to verse 23, the entire Godhead, the Trinity. Look at verse 23. He says, if anyone loves me, will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. This recalls the, the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple that symbolizes God, it signifies God's presence amongst his people. Right, But today, we are the temple of the living God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have his presence within us. 
Now, someone here, you might be struggling with, okay, you said that we must love Christ. You, you said that Jesus comforts those who love him. But how do we know we truly love Christ? I'm going to try to help us answer that question this morning. And it's very simple. We know we love Christ when we keep his commandments. Brothers and sisters, it is our duty to keep Christ's commandments. It is totally unacceptable to neglect this great duty. Jesus, he knew what lay ahead for the disciples. He knew the persecution that they would suffer. Most of the disciples, they died some gruesome deaths, all for the name of Christ. Yet in all this, Jesus, he comforted his disciples in our passage by reminding them of their duty to love him, to obey him. The believer can find great comfort in obeying Christ in the most pressure-filled circumstances. No matter how unpopular it is following Christ, no matter how much we must suffer for the name of Christ, we must obey his commandments. Do you love Christ this morning? Do you love his commandments? Verse 24 Jesus says this, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. The world hated Christ. The world still hates Christ. The world does not love Christ. The world does not love his commandments. Even as Christians, let's be honest, we fail to keep Christ's commandments perfectly. We're sinners. We fail. We don't have it in us to live up to God's standard of perfection. And brothers and sisters, God will never lessen or lower the moral standard. He calls for personal, perfect, and perpetual obedience to his word. But the good news, well, let, let me backtrack just a little bit. So that's the bad news. Right, we, we don't have it in us. To, to follow Christ's commandments. We don't. But we know that the gospel is good news. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ has perfectly kept the law of God and obeyed the Father's commandments 100% of the time. The gospel points us to the one who said in John chapter 4, verse 34, he says this, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Christ loved his father, and he expressed his love by obeying his father's commands. And brothers and sisters, it is by faith in the Son that we keep God's commandments. That's why Romans, Romans 10 and 4, the apostle Paul, he says this, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We display, we display our love for Christ by fully trusting in him and turning from sin. We submit to his lordship. As we submit to his rule and reign, we can have the utmost confidence that he will be with us, being our comforter, being our advocate, being our helper, being our parakletos. I like to use that word. He promises to be with us forever by giving us his spirit. No matter what life throws at us, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
The Scottish novelist Robert Louis Stevenson, he tells the story of a storm that caught a vessel off a rocky coast and threatened to drive it and its passengers to destruction. In the midst of the terror, one daring man, contrary to orders, went to the deck, made a dangerous passage to the pilot house and saw the steerman at his post holding the wheel unwaveringly and inch by inch turning the ship out once more to sea. The pilot saw the watcher and smiled. Then the daring passenger went below and gave out a note of cheer. I have seen the face of the pilot, and he smiled. All is well. Brothers and sisters, Christ is speaking those same words to us this morning. All is well. Right? He is steering our vessels. Right? He's there with us. He will bring us home to glory. Remember that Christ comforts us in this broken and fallen world. He is our advocate. In verse 18, it says he does not leave us as orphans, but he is present with us because he has given us his spirit. He's present with us right now, and we know that he has made a promise to come back for us. We are called to be on mission to take the light of the gospel and shine it amongst those living in, in this world of darkness. May we be comforted by Christ's words this morning, and may that cause us all to show our love for him by obeying him. Let's pray. Gracious God, Lord, thank you just for this opportunity. God, again, Lord, to proclaim your word of truth. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us, Lord, the comfort that we look for in this broken and fallen world. I pray that we would trust you, that we would continue to show our love for you by obeying your commandments, even in the most pressure-filled circumstances. We thank you this morning for the comfort that you give to us, O oh Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.